Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Here's the restart from Burden Barrett. They go short, and it's fallen for Cheslin Colby. Springboks have got another chance here. Run down by Christie, and they've gone over the touchline. Up goes the flag, and the final whistle is blown, and the All Blacks have succeeded. Against the Springboks, they've retained the Freedom Cup. Final score at Mount Smart Stadium, 35 points to 20. Yes, the doyen there, Grant, is but summing it up beautifully as he always does. The All Blacks were dominant, and uh, 35-20 was not a result I think we all picked. Uh, when we looked at the makeup of the two sides, we thought South Africa might be a bridge too far, but not the case. Sideline uh, that night, of course, was Jeff Wilson, former All Black great, uh, doing uh, the sideline role and uh, doing it excellently as well. Jeff, good morning to you. Tell us uh, the Mount Smart experience as compared to the Eden Park experience just across town. How'd you feel about it? Well, Smitty, that's controversial to start at because I tell you what, it was outstanding. It really, really was. You know, the, the, the closeness of the action, the fact you're right on top of the ground. You know, um, we've been watching those mighty, mighty Warriors this year doing a fantastic job and they did it yesterday again while the All Blacks had the opportunity. And by all accounts, they too enjoyed the experience. Look, it's certainly a different feel there, um, but in terms of the atmosphere, it was electric. I mean, it also was helped by the fact there was a huge contingent of Springbok fans, uh, and their rendition of their national anthem was inspiring. So it brought a real um, uh, intensity to the atmosphere, and I think that added to the occasion. And, you know, overall, I think everyone clearly satisfied with the result. Um, it ended up being a night where it didn't rain in a test match in Auckland, Smithy. Who can believe it? Um, we got we got the result we were wanting to, but also we got a great contest from our perspective. Um, but another step forward, and as a as a an event, it was fantastic. That's great. Great to know that there's a viable backup if needed, Jeff. Um, here's the here's the thing. Uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I did not expect that first twenty minutes of All Black dominance. Did you? No, not at all. But in saying that. I think we got a taste of what this group was capable of last year in the second test in, in South Africa when they're on and when they're focused and on top of their game. And, you know, they came out of the gate so very, very quickly and they put pressure on, but that was from their accuracy and accuracy in so many different areas, particularly their contestable kicking game. It forced the Springboks into mistakes in behind their defensive line. So all of a sudden, they were a team that were under pressure and they gave away penalties, made errors, and then... The longer the ball's in play, the longer and better it suits the All Blacks. And so that first try almost put them on the back foot, not just in terms of mentally, but physically. It, four or five minutes of play, continuous play, they were starting to, to really suck in some big, um, big uh, oxygen breaths, you know. And so I, I thought they were under pressure to the point where it suited us down to the ground. And 17 points is a hard, hard bridge to overcome. But I will say this, you know, we shouldn't forget at the 60-second minute mark, it was 23-15 when they scored their try. Now, had they kept that conversion, um, this, uh, that would have been a really pivotal moment. And, and I think you've got to give credit to the All Blacks. It would have been quite easy for them to have put themselves under more pressure, and they delivered.
Yeah, look, uh, I, I totally agree. Actually, I was, I was getting a bit nervous at that point. I thought we might have just been reached a point where we might have run our race, and they were, as they traditionally do, bring the big guns off the bench and might run over the top of us. But not to be, Jeff. Uh, the back three combination was, is always a talking point these days. How did you, uh, how did you see it in terms of the way they diffused South Africa's uh, bombing process? Yeah, I think for, for me, I look at the balance. And look, I, I've said last night, I, mean, uh, I think that was probably Bowden Barrett's best game in an all-black jersey for probably two years. He just looked really composed, his connection with his uh, other outsides, but also the willingness of Mark Thalia and Will Jordan to contest possession in the air and to go out and secure it, and the fact that they were defensively, they were really strong as well. So, I mean, I think the three of them... You know, it was a really nice combination. Uh, the willingness of both wings to be um, get off their their wing, get into the middle of the park and be a threat with ball in hand. And you know, I would still maybe in the second half the All Blacks went into their shells just a little bit um, after half time, and when the, when the impact came off the bench from the Springboks, and that's something they'll look at. But I mean, I think the back three we've got some real options there. Amoni Narawa will be in that conversation. Um, still interested to see the role Caleb Clark's going to play in this all-black squad going forward. And, of course, you know, there was no Damien McKenzie on the weekend as well. But mm. one of the other thing I did like is that uh, Richard Wonga and Bowden Barrett stayed in their position for the full 80 minutes. So you get the sense that, you know, that there was no shuffling around, there was no moving around. It was those are the guys who are going to be your key drivers going forward. So I think they should both, both those players, 10 and 15, should be really proud of their efforts. Right, OK. Uh, let's uh, look at uh, a key area for me. Um, I, I, as I said in my sermon, I, I couldn't imagine a team, a, a top all-black side without Sam Whitelock, but I almost can now. I mean, that was outstanding, the, the combination there between uh, Ritalik and Scott Barrett, give him a jersey number and just watch him play. Yeah, when you, we had a game plan to go out and, and play at real speed and to try and create some quick ball, and the combination of Frizzell carrying really well and our loose forward trio and locks cleaning with great accuracy and speed it just gave us that ability to get over the advantage line and put a defence under pressure. And if, if it, and here's the thing, you know, if, if you look at Sam Whitelock and you look at you know, his contribution to the game, and you know, and I'm still incredibly loyal to him, uh, like the All Blacks will be, but in certain circumstances, he's going to be incredibly valuable. Whether that value now is starting a test match or whether that value is coming off the bench late in the game, I think that's up for discussion. I think you have to have that discussion with how far Scott Barrett has continued to move his needle in terms of how well he plays and what Brody Ritalik continues to bring you in terms of his athleticism. Um, and so if the scrum operates as well as it did, and Jason Ryan was on the breakdown last night, and he said, and he made a point of saying, we have real competition in our lock department. And that suggests to me that they're having to look at all roles now and, and what each of the players offers. And Josh Lord in his one opportunity was outstanding against mm. um, Argentina. He looked really, really good. Kipovai kept the pressure on um, uh, this on Saturday night. So I look across the board and go, you know what, that conversation is going to be a difficult one. And, and it, look, if it, if it got to a point where it was raining and it got into a grind, I want Sam Whitelock on the field. Maybe the best way to do is look at that from the bench. Right. Uh, let's uh, also look at uh, the, the, the front row. Um, how do you feel that, that measured up? It looks like we've almost got a an, an A front row, but have we? Well, the only the only position in terms of the A position is at hooker. It's the the, the two props. Um, since they've been given the opportunity last year, 
and Ethan DeGroot and Torrell Lomax, they've gone from strength to strength. And when they've played and started, they've looked outstanding. So I don't think... I mean, you're not going to get under any more pressure at scrum time and up front than you are against the Springboks. And, and they delivered. And the only time they got under pressure was just a little bit of time after half time, but the Springboks had rolled out a new front row. You know, and, and, and there was some seriously big and strong uh, men. So I think we've got that. It's just whether or not uh, Samasoni Tokiaho and Cody Taylor, they reverse roles at some point. But ultimately, for me, our front row, our starting front row, either way, hooker looks really, really solid. Um, and because our line-out was very good, you know, you have to say that Cody Taylor at the moment and his line-out throwing and what he offers is, is really solid. It's the bench that stalls up for grabs. Um, there's some guys who are going to return from injury and become available uh, over the next few weeks in Fletcher Newell and maybe Joe Moody. Um, I think there's some real competition. Tomati Williams is a given, right? Um, I think there's some real competition for Offutuanga Fussy and for Nepo Lalala about who's scrapping to get on that plane to go to France. OK, well, we might as well finish it off, Jeff, by looking at the, the loose forward combination there. I mean, Artie, for, because of Frizzell's dominance uh, for a long period of time, I don't even think we, you guys mentioned Artie Savier because it was the Frizzell show for about the first 20, 25 minutes. Has he cemented six for you? And if, if, if he hasn't, where does... I mean, you, you, then you're looking at your white lock. Where do you put Barrett scenario? Oh, yes. No, he's, he's cemented it for me. Um, and I went back and looked, and, and he's, I think he's been involved in the last 12 test matches, Shannon Frizzell at six. And the other side of it for him, he started in 20, of which the All Blacks have won 18 of those. So his record is a starting six in the All Blacks. Now, people will go, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't give you an assessment of his individual performance. Well, if he's part of an All Black side, he'll be doing something right if it's winning. So I think he has on the back of those. But it's the last 10 to 12. I think he's either come off the bench or started, and he's really grown into the jersey. They've asked him to do a job. I think clearly he's been given the right instructions. And his, his impact on the weekend was immense. So, I mean, I, I think that deal's done. I don't think you go in another direction now. you just got to look at what's going to support him behind there. Um, Adi Savia, look, I think the, the, the critical thing for me was immediately he took over the captaincy. The moment Sam Kane went off, he moved to seven. Um, you can never um, argue with Adi's passion and drive and, and engine. So, you know, they wanted his leadership out there. and I thought he did a really good job with that. Uh, I think that was pretty critical. So, you know, I... I, I like uh, the one thing I would say is that uh, did we miss Sam Kane a little bit in that second half around some of that physicality in the first 10 minutes of halftime when they made their runners? Maybe uh, they'll just look at that and go, where where did they get some impetus on us and put us under pressure? But I, I think ultimately you have to be really satisfied with that starting trio. Right, and uh, just looking at uh, the game afterwards, Jeff, uh, you know, depth is a crucial thing, uh, heading into a World Cup, just in case. Uh, what did you like out of those two uh, New Zealand 15 appearances in Japan? Um, I probably, I'm concerned for Japan is what I like about what the All Blacks 15 did, because yeah. it just showed that there's some real, there is a talent, and when you're on hard and fast grounds, and there are opportunities, i, I tell you what, uh, you have to feel for Stephen Perifeta, um, because a remarkable group of first fives available for the All Blacks right now. Um, but he's looking really sharp. Had, had, didn't have many opportunities through Super Rugby through injury, but all of a sudden he looks like a dynamic ten. His acceleration off the mark, his combination with Brad Weber, they've driven that team really, really well. They're, they're, there's an All Black quality about those two guys. We clearly see that. I mean, I think that's what I can take away from 
the the standard. And, and Stephen Bates last night mentioned um, uh, Naitoa Akoi. Like, you talk about locks. We've got some depth. But he was being his engine and doing a job for them has been outstanding. So I think you've got to take some real heart out of that. And, and there are some guys who are putting up their hands. And I'll give you another name that Justin Marshall mentioned last night, the Jack Goodhue. He seems to have rediscovered a little bit of that pop. And he's got mm. experience at 12 and 13 at an international level. So that's a nice insurance policy to have. If, if anything was to, to happen in the midfield, um, he started to look a, a lot sharper with some rugby under his belt. Uh, I agree. Totally agree, actually. Great to see uh, pressure coming on from uh, underneath. The other thing that uh, was of interest to me, and I, I did watch it, was uh, Australia against uh, Argentina. Jeff, I know you've probably had some cleaning up work to do and get home after the game, but if you've had a chance to look at that, what did you make uh, of Eddie Jones's first two games now? Well, he's breaking he's breaking speakers and microphones and the whole lot of them is changing shit upstairs, so you know he's not happy. And I think he would be really disappointed with their inconsistent performance. Uh, the fact that from time to time they looked very, very good, but ultimately ill-disciplined. And this is another indication, though, of, of how far the Pumas have come as a group. After taking a beating against the All Blacks, Michael Checker, he's turned that team around and they've come out and... When they'd literally given the game away by conceding a, a 90-metre intercept try, in two and a half minutes, they worked themselves into a position to win the game. Like, I think that'll be what hurts uh, Eddie Jones the most, is that any time they got a semblance of control, they just handed it back um, to the Pumas. Uh, but once again, he's deflected. Um, he's, he said, told the All Blacks to look out. He's taken the pressure off mm. his team. Um, he's done what Eddie Jones is going to do. Um, but ultimately he'll also know that if he gets a win in the test match in Melbourne, all will be forgotten very, very quickly. Um, you know, and so he can then go back, oh, we could quite easily have beaten the Pumas and then we've beaten the All Blacks and no, no, we're fine. So every week, if he gets, if he gets that elusive win, if it comes, then all of a sudden he can quickly change the narrative around this group. Jeff, as always, uh, fantastic uh, for you to review the weekend for us. Um, really did enjoy uh, Saturday night, uh, uh, and I, I liked it at, at Go Media Mount Smart Stadium for some reason, and I was 500k away, so there you go. Hey, Jeff, thank you very much. Um, th th thanks very much. Have a terrific week, mate. Cheers. Hey, always a pleasure, Smithy. Thanks, mate.